Welcome to the Empowered to Connect podcast, where we come together to discuss a healing-centered approach to engagement and well-being for ourselves, our families, and our communities. I'm Jenny Wilson, and I'm your host. And today on the show, uh, a great episode we recorded with uh, Mo and Tana Ottinger, and we're going to talk about celebration and how to celebrate uh, our kids in a several different ways. Before you write this off as just thinking about, you know, birthday celebrations and that kind of thing, uh, we want to... I want to just encourage you uh, to make time to to hear the, the conversation today between Mo and Tana and myself, um, particularly because Mo and Tana are two of the best that I've ever seen at uh, celebrating their kids and their differences and their strengths, their weaknesses, all of those things. So we'll talk through uh, several different ways that we are to, to celebrate our kids and ideas for how to do that, reasons why it's important all of that. Uh, and you won't want to miss uh, Mo and Tana get pretty personal and share some vulnerable stories. And um, and uh, there may be some tears from both of them. <laughs> You'll have to listen to find out. So uh, without any further ado, here we go talking about celebration with Mo and Tana. Well, Mo, Tana, and I are here today. We're going to talk about uh, one of our connecting practices uh, from our uh, parenting curriculum, and that is the connecting celebration. And uh, we're we're going to primarily hear from Mo and Tana today on this because uh, they just just so y'all kind of see behind the curtain, so to speak. Um, just being around them all the time, they do an amazing job with this, and they've they've put in a bunch of work uh, as a family just to being um, a family that does this well. And so uh, we felt like it was important for you to hear from them today in this particular topic. And so I hope that you're able to take away uh, as much from a distance as, as those of us who are around them in person are able to. And so um, guys, why don't we kind of, well, I, I tell you what was probably most helpful is Tana, if you want to kind of start by framing this conversation for us, um, then we can go kind of deeper into it from there. Yeah, thanks, JD. I'd be happy to. And um, yeah, I'm excited to talk about this today. I really, it is such a personal um, topic and idea that just resonates deeply with Mo and I. And so when we think about this idea of celebration, we've talked in past episodes, and it's taken straight from Dr. Siegel and Tina Payne Bryson, that our relationships with our children should empower them to feel seen, safe, soothed, and secure. And I wish that that happened naturally. (laughs) But for most of us, it just simply doesn't. It takes some real intentional work. And it takes intentional work, um, oftentimes pushing against our own histories and stories, pushing against sometimes you know, just the norms of the communities and cultures that we're operating in, like just, this is a super intentional practice. And so for Mo and I, we have found that one of the most important ways that our children can feel seen, so that for, like, they have to feel safe, seen, soothed, to, to be secure. And in order to really, truly see our kids, We've got to do the work of celebrating and honoring their uniqueness in wiring and personality. And I know this like is so obvious to sort of state the obvious, but our children are different than us. And, um, you know, that, that, that's the case if they've come biologically or through kinship placement or through adoption, or if they're in your care for a short period of time through foster care, like every single human being is wired so uniquely. And there's a lot of reasons why that is, but part of the, like the anthem cry for at least us in our home. And I think many, 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 many other families is figuring out how to even transition to sort of first is like, okay, my kids are different than me. All right, that's obvious. Then they have these personalities or behaviors or way of being in the world or way of seeing in the world or emotions or thoughts. And we want to move from like tolerating those to embracing and celebrating them and their unique beauty And who they are. And there's a little quote by Dr. Jen Hardy. And if you want to, you can follow her on Instagram and social media and all that. But um, she posted something some time ago 
And I loved it. And I shared it on the ETC social media and it kind of went a little wild. So I think a lot of parents sort of resonated with this idea. And it's, it's here's the quote, your, ch- your child may be a different, pe- excuse me, or JD, mark that. Here's the quote, your child may need a different parenting style than you needed growing up. Parent the child you have, not the child you were. And that like hits it on on the nail on the head as we are parenting children who are different than we were as children. And so how can we move from like just completely missing them to sometimes tolerating, which let's be honest, that is sometimes how it feels when you've got a kid who's really, maybe really different than you or so similar that it's making it difficult. So how do we move to that place of celebration. So we kind of think about it in four categories and we'll spend some time talking about each one of them, but just to frame the conversation. So one is to celebrate the differences, just see the differences, acknowledge them and celebrate the fact that we're different than our kids and celebrate their strengths, celebrate the play and how we're wired to play and then celebrate feelings in the home. So we can kind of dive into each one of those individually, but that sort of frames up the conversation. And I mean, I know Mo can attest to this, but this whole idea was a major, major um, shift in our home, but also like a 20-year process of, of really figuring out how to do this individually. We have six kids. And so not you know, just looking at them individually. Mo, I'd love your initial thoughts on that. Well, I, I mean, I, I'm glad when we were doing this work of this curriculum, um, the rewrite, we used the word celebrate. Um, that is, that's what I want parents to take away is celebrate, celebrate. I mean, um, and I think that was the shift for me. There was this shift of going, my kids are different. And there's some different wirings and different interest and on and on, introvert, extrovert, all that sort of stuff. Like there's all that. But, you know, you becoming uh, an investigator, becoming, um, you know, just uh, intrigued by who they are. Like that was that was one aspect of my parenting journey was getting to understand and know them better. But then to be able to celebrate them and who they are and all that they are. And um, sometimes that can be really hard. And because they are, if I'm just going to be honest, um, because their, their likes, their differences are so different than my wiring. (laughs) And it can push up against some of, I mean, I'll just say it, insecurities, some of my right. my pride, some of my, all those things as a parent, yeah. um, things that I have built up, um, you know, as, as we forward face and go out into public, you know, how the appearance should be and, and to just die to those things is a process. And yeah. so... Um, uh, yeah. And, and moving from, Hey, I'm, I'm just kind of doing this and I'm going to do it to like, I'm celebrating who they are and cherishing who they are and yeah, loving, loving that aspect. Well, I'll tell you what was the hardest for me in this kind of process. And for those who've not heard me comment, we've got kids both biologically and through adoption. And so, um, in a weird way, it's been dramatically easier and more natural for me to celebrate the differences of our kids through adoption and to, to, to kind of go out of my way over and over again to like, to make that vocal within our family and to, to make it a point to, um, to do that regularly and to celebrate, uh, historical figures and people and places and things that are unique to their culture um, and, and their, uh, their, yeah, their cultural origins. Whereas with the kids who look like me and came from my DNA, um, it, it has been harder for me to do that, I think, because I just kind of find myself thinking, well, they're fine. Like they, they're fine. Like, mm-hmm. and, and this, it's just normal for them to know our stuff. And 
they are as wildly different from me as yeah. our kids who who came through adoption. Like, and so they they need different um, different mechanisms for uh, calming when they're dysregulated. They need different mechanisms for you know they they like different things than I do. They celebrate different ways than I normally would. And so we've mm-hmm. I, I've had to catch myself not coasting with them uh, because I tend to to be dialed in thinking about it with our kids who look different than I do. But um, it's that's been a, a probably in the last year or so, I've really seen those differences. As they start to, you know, kind of get older and those personalities really start to blossom, I've started to see a lot of the differences that I um, I just probably was blind to before. And so this is this has really kind of helped me to um, to reframe in that way. Well and I'll I'll say too painfully when I look back on my parenting journey when I go back 20 years when I go back 17 years and 16 years there were moments that I vocalized to a child like hey I would have never said that to my dad I would have never done that I would have never like so, like, the quote from Dr. Hardy, when it says, your child may need a different parenting style than you needed growing up, parent the child you have, not the child you were. I was running everything through the grid of little Mo, yeah. right? And how yeah. I interacted. Gosh, and, man, if I could, if, if I could go back yeah. 20 years and, and see this um, with my just with my older kids when we started this parenting journey, because I, I just came into parenting thinking I'll just like, I had never given any thought to it really. Like it just, you know, uh, I just kind of tagged along and did everything my dad did and my mom did and just do, do, do. And that's what my kids are going to do. And it's just going to flow. And so I really, um, the day I realized that my kids are not me and they, I need to parent the kids, my kids in front of me, mm-hmm. not 40 years ago, yeah. me. So, yeah. well, I, mean, I wish I could say that that was 20 years ago for me. I mean, I've caught myself saying, you know, <laughs> moments where we are giving choices or redos or whatever, like, I would have gotten torn up for this or that or, you know, or, or uh, for speaking that way, whatever. And it dawned on me later, the message I'm trying to convey is, oh, you should be so thankful that I'm not, um, that I'm not like my parents were. And my parents were great. They were awesome. Uh, the, the implicit message that I'm sending is, you should be more like me. Like you should be more like me because that's what I'm expecting out of you is to is to respond the way I would have responded when I was little. And that is certainly never the message I would I would allow myself to say out loud. But when I realized that was the message that was being sent the way I was conveying it, that 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 has stopped, you know, like that communication has stopped abruptly. <laughs> when I hear both of you guys share, like if I'm really honest, my heart just kind of gets like super tight. My chest feels really tight and I'm like thrown back to um, some painful early parenting moments for us. Um, So I do want to just take a second and hold space and say that this is really important and hard work And I honor JD and Mo and myself and all of us listening that are doing this work of attempting in the moment. I mean, look, parenting is one of the most challenging things that any of us will ever do in our whole entire life. And there is so much pressure and so many expectations and like such a deep desire. None of us want to harm our children. Like we are all doing this with the very, very, very best of intentions. Right, right. And we are all going to mess up. We're all going to have major, major misses. And I think the heart behind this idea um, and why it falls under like one of our connecting modules is... When we think about celebrating 
these things, differences and strengths and play and feelings, it's because we want to set our mind and eyes towards our children and our hearts towards our children in a paradigm shifting way. So maybe the misses aren't quite as many. Like yeah. We're still going to miss them. Right. We still are, but maybe we can minimize the misses. Yeah. yeah. If we can sort of come in and say, okay, Tana, like in the moment, all right, you would react this way. You would think this way. Yeah. You would feel this way. You would respond this way. This isn't you. This is a different human being. Right. They have their own history, their own personality, their own sensory profile. They're different. They may be extroverted or introverted. They may be having a different stress response right now. They see the world differently than you do. They have different desires. They have different hopes. They have different disappointments. They have, they have, they're different. Right. And I, I do want to move through that process. And it's not a one-time thing. It's oh. like in the moment over and over. It's like daily, every, yeah. inter, every yeah. interaction. This concept shows up or if you allow it to be invited into your, like your thinking. So have those two conversations going in your head where you're interacting with a kiddo and you're sort of willing to engage them how they need to be engaged instead of how you need to be engaged. And, um, and then as the grown up, make the change. I mean, that's really kind of the bottom line is the call um, and the invitation and the challenge here with us as the grown-ups to be the one that, um, not, not in a way that's coddling, but in a way that's like kind and helps right. our kids feel seen. Like, right. I see right. you in this. I may not relate to it, Right. It may be coming from a different place. You might have an interest that is so different than mine that I could never in a million years understand, <laughs> but I am high-fiving that you care. I mean, totally. you know, yeah, that, that's, that's the, it comes down to these, like, the whole goal of this is so that it impacts the in-the-moment engagement. This isn't some, Mm -hmm. like, philosophical, like, really good thing to think about. Yeah, yeah. This is, like, something to know and then skills to be applied. And Right? Like, our kids are different than us. Let's respond differently. This is something I feel like I've learned from Mo. I think one thing that is a a key to remember in this is that – differences are generally going to mean that uh, we don't have uh, a firm level of understanding of whatever those differences might be, right? Because they're, they're different than us. So, for example, one of our kids has is, is got a, um, uh, this newfound passion um, for an activity that I have never done in my life. Um, and I just have never had interest in or following in. I've always respected those who are great at it, but... Um, I don't understand the world of dance at all. Like I, um, especially not when it comes to like classical dance and all that kind of stuff. So uh, I have been really, really cognizant to make sure that as I'm talking to our dancer at home, it's not, you know, oh, well, I love trying to relate as I'm, as if I'm one of the dancers with him. Like, oh, I loved watching this move or that move, whatever. It's just been like, I don't understand a thing I'm watching, but it's beautiful. And you are awesome at this. Like, it is so fun to watch you do this. And just being, I I think that, you know, Elizabeth and I've always said that if we, if we had like a family motto over our doorpost, it would just be keep it real. Like we're just going to keep it real all the time, like be ourselves and not try to be something we're not. And so being cognizant in those moments where we're finding differences and exploring those, sometimes it's fun and lighthearted, like what it is with dance. Sometimes there's issues of race and ethnicity that we don't understand, right? I, I cannot understand what it's like to be a young African-American man um, around police officers around white environments, around places that might make him feel very uncomfortable. And so I I can't then try to act as if I am comfortable with that. I have to then put on empathy and ask questions and sit in the heart with him and be there with him, you know, and so that, that is something so important in that because kids smell fakeness from a mile away and it doesn't mean hardly anything for you to act as if you know about something that you don't know about because they, they know that. They see you. 
JD, when you say y'all have that sign that keep that says keep it real, I love that because that's actually an invitation to your kids to be real. Yeah. Also, like yeah. for them to be their real selves to you and with you. Right. Which goes right in line with what we're even talking about of like allowing our kids to be who they are made to be. And yeah. Um, so even like thinking about the, the part of this that says to celebrate strengths. So we sort of do celebrate differences, celebrate strengths. Well, what do we mean by that? That's this sort of idea of kind of flipping the paradigm or shifting our thinking to some of, like maybe you're parenting, you know, neurodivergent kids or kiddos that see the world and and are in the world in a different way than you do. Their brains process differently. They have, maybe they have different sensory profiles than you do. And some of the ways that they engage the world or people or their environment or social interactions or academics or whatever, because of those neuro differences, Maybe those things are kind of hard for you or you don't understand them, but you might be, and I totally get it. This is no shaming parents. I'm not shaming a parents at all. But if we aren't careful, we can see those externalized behaviors as things to change and be extinguished instead right. of sort of saying, let's figure out how to honor them and why they do that. And right. then if they need to move through it or grow or have some support or develop or gain skills, I'm, I'm 100% for like walking with our children towards skill building and, and growth. Yeah. So I'm not saying that to celebrate, you know, the things about their personalities that might be hard for you always as strengths and never address them or help them grow. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah. But I am saying, can we sort of say like, for example, maybe you've got a kiddo that, you guys clash because they are not as flexible. Maybe they're a little bit more rigid or maybe they sort of in um, moments of stress are trying to control the environment. Look, we know as parents that can be a difficult and challenging behavior. How, how can we move from that exasperating and frustrating us to taking a minute, practicing the pause, move from tolerating to actually reframing that behavior in a way that celebrates how it is serving our child. To say, okay, kids, this in this stressful situation, Sally, we don't have a kid named Sally, Sally might be heightening up their need to control the environment. All right, I'm going to acknowledge that there's transition or stress and that they are wanting or needing control for some biological reason. Yeah. Well, what if I could step back and be like, just, I know this may seem silly, but y'all, this really is a major game changer. If you can step back and go, I'm so grateful that they have an active stress response that shows them danger and that it's activated right now and that they are doing everything in their little power to keep themselves alive. I'm celebrating the fact that my kid has the tenacity and zeal and oomph and strength and grit yeah. to keep themselves safe. Yeah, yeah. Totally. It's a whole different way of seeing what's going on there and seeing that they are responding in a way that's different than you as actually a strength in them, not mm -hmm. something you need to make them stop doing. Like maybe you've got a kid that gets kind of volatile emotionally, you know, or verbally. Guys, that's not great behavior. And we want to support them moving out of that behavior and coming up with something else that serves them better. We don't want our kids to stick in adaptive behaviors, but... right. That's like their body doing what it needs to do to protect them. So high five your kid for like doing what they need to do to keep themselves safe. Now let's replace it. Let's move on. You right. know, we can have a bunch of other episodes about that. And we do. I'm just saying in the moment when we have kids who have just different stress responses, we talk about this in our family a lot, especially among siblings. If you've got one kiddo that might go to flight and you have another so kid good. that goes yeah. to fight, and you have another kid that goes to freeze, sometimes in the middle of a family dynamic, siblings can, because they're just humans, 
they can start like even thinking their stress response is better. Well, at least I don't get mad and throw and yell. And I'm like, yeah, honey, but you totally shut down on me. Like you got stressed too and you shut down and ran and they stayed in the fight and got volatile. Neither, I mean, both of those are stress response, baby. So we're not going to judge either one. That's right. Yeah. So it's this like ability to see what's happening without judging it and kind of going in this moment, things got hot. We all got stressed and our stress system served us well. Okay. Now let's come back and practice that again and see what we can do so that it doesn't, you know, the temperature doesn't rise like that. And that's what I mean by celebrating strengths. It's seeing the thing that we might see as a weakness or a behavior that needs to be extinguished and understanding how it's serving our kids and even us. Yeah. Yeah. What do you guys think? Well, about that? I'll say the, the different, like just the, the shift, the paradigm shift there is if I'm just really honest, if I go back, like, I feel like so much of my old parenting style was to extinguish, right? Like it was yeah. Yeah. behavior yeah. modification and I got to get the little ducklings in a line and, and they need yeah. to line up right behind me. The um, first time. Yes. Yes. With a happy heart. And so like, you know, and so, yeah, that's just, that's a major paradigm shift right there. And, and I want to say this, I mean, just, just listening to you, like um, just the example you gave, like the beauty of the conversations we have had with our kids, especially as they get gotten older, like Mm -hmm. just the conversation that you shared how our teenagers understand, um, you know, yes, I am a freezer. I am a fighter. I am mm-hmm. like that, like that is, that is kind of fun mm-hmm. for them to understand because they also have greater understanding and empathy toward one another. And so, whereas it used to, oh, fine. She always walks away. Or why don't you say anything when I'm, you know, (laughs) you know, like they used to just, it used to just make them mad. And now it kind of, all right, they know wherever, why everybody's doing what they're doing and they can, and and that's fun. That, that is fun Mm -hmm. with them growing and understanding because you have celebrated that. The goal has not been you know, let's get them in line. And we're now looking at mm-hmm. compliant teenagers right. who we have gotten in a nice little line, but they, they have a greater understanding, which is giving them also outside of our family the ability to look at friends, understand peers, coworkers. Like it has just grown teenagers to have eyes outward focused a little bit too. Well, at some point we'll get your big kids come teach ours, uh, how to (laughs) celebrate the differences. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think the thing that, um, and you know, just as a little teaser, I mean, something that, that Mona De La Hoca wrote beyond behaviors, um, you know, we talked to her recently, you'll hear in a couple of weeks, but uh, one of the things that we've learned from, from her work is the idea of allowing those stress responses to identify needs for us. So it's really uh, a gracious, like if we can view it as a gracious thing that yeah. one of our kids might have a stress response to alert us, hey, mom and dad, time for you to help regulate and to step in here and let's take this clue because now you've got a marker to go, well, here was the environment, here were the conditions, here's what was happening around them. And over time, as as those stress responses continue to show, you're able to then see the same dynamics coming in, coming into play, and so it can be addressed. And so like we said, we're not trying to, you know, to condition our, our kids and their surroundings that like, all these stress responses are the right response and great all the time and that they should continue to throw stuff when they're mad. Not, not at all. But when we see those responses, it helps us to take one more clue as to what might be causing them to dysregulate, which gives us a chance to teach them about that and to spot it ahead of time to be able to co-regulate with them. And, and hopefully self-regulation is, is in the path in the future. And so, um, and I hadn't even thought about this thought until y'all were sharing this now, but, but even then as, as teens down the road, hopefully being able to co-regulate each other sometimes, you know, um, and have, being able to help as having seen it so many times together, uh, maybe they can help co-regulate each other. Uh, why don't we, why don't we talk about 
celebrating play and different play personalities. We we will uh, we'll link the uh, the play personality profile. We'll we'll link them in the show notes. And so if you want to hear more about this after we talk about it, go to the show notes and it'll be linked down there for you to check out for yourself. But um, Mo, do you want to talk about the the play personalities and why that's helped well, you guys? Yeah, and I'll also just and you know when it comes to play, um, Dr. Stuart Brown, um, a great book on play a great Ted talk on play. Um, you know, play for me again, uh, just celebrating, realizing that our kids play differently. And, you know, uh, I am, uh, uh, extroverted. Um, let's, let's be loud. Let's, sing, let's wrestle, let's just kind of do all the things. And, um, I have kids that don't play like that. Um, I might have one kid that plays like that, you know? And so (laughs) what I thought, if I go back, I'm coming home from work and entering the home and here's dad, you know, at five o'clock, which every parent knows that, you know, our kids at 5 p.m. every day are just nice and calm and, and all that, right? Like those are the witching hours that everybody's right. hungry. It's been a long day, all that yeah. stuff. And dad walks in and like, I take the temperature of the house from, you know, I elevate it. I make it loud. I, you know, <laughs> I start grabbing a kid to wrestle and they don't want to be touched. And, you know, I think I can, be sarcastic and that sets everybody off. Like it was just, I thought I was fun and playful and I was setting off bombs. Like it was like, and Tana's sitting there like, yeah, I mean, she had to, you know, she walked around with a fire extinguisher because she just had to put the fires out because dad was coming in. And so I think it's understanding I just want to say this real quick. I love you and your sweet <laughs> fun. Like what you bring, that life and energy is like such a counterbalance to me. So I do want to say right now, I honor that. I mean, there, it's, there, this there is not t- about right, there. us being wrong. It's not about our play personality being wrong because yeah. yours is so beautiful and right. And like, it's such understanding a gift where it's, it's, yeah. it's an understanding where and how to use it. But it's yeah. also understanding for me. And again, we're talking about a connection, yeah. right? We're talking about connection with our kids. I don't want to think I'm being playful and try to engage my kids playfully. And it cause mm-hmm. disruption and all that was happening. And so I had to, again, celebrate um, uh, the differences, and understand, again, how do they play? And I think this was, and we're going to put it in the show notes, that there are play personalities, right? And so, like, I mean, a a great example, one of my kids is a collector, right? And so I needed to celebrate that. And, and man, okay, let's, it's okay to have a room with stuff everywhere because those things are valuable to you. And that is how you play. Um, man, there, I do have a kid that's, that's rough and tumble. I've got one that's, um, very theatrical and, and, and art and all those types of things, which weren't my bents. But if I was going to connect with my children, I needed to be able to play. Yeah. How they enjoy playing. The yeah. goal is to play with them and enjoy, right? And so, yeah. I mean, um, I think what I wanted or what I thought I wanted, again, I grew up in a home. My dad was a, a junior college basketball coach. Everything was around sports. I love sports. I just, we just kind of did it all and it was easy. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. I, I, so I, that's what I thought. Right. So, you know, you got these kiddos and there's the football and the baseball and the basketball and no one's interested. And, you know, no one wants to sit around on Saturday and watch football games. No one wants right. to watch football, <laughs> you know, all those things. And so, um, it's just 
it's it's recalibrating. And I mean, I I sit here and laugh and go, the things that I have gone and done with my kiddos. <laughs> um, like there have been times that I've taught I've texted Tana from somewhere and I'm like, I can't <laughs> believe I'm here doing this. <laughs> you know? Right. But right. man, like it's crazy the things we've done. I mean, like the things we have done with our children and we have not put on Facebook, right? Like it's like the stuff, <laughs> but you know what? Um, yeah. Man, I've had a blast with my kiddos. Yeah. They have taken me places yeah. and we have done things. I mean, I have, I have mm-hmm. sat in a, in a room with, with 70 year old men that make models because I had a son that was into models and we were at a modeling club, you know, with airplanes that they were making ships that we were making. I mean, I've been to conventions. I've been to, you know, you go on and on of things of going, okay, let's, Mm -hmm. let's go. Like I thought where I thought I'd be would be at a football game or a basketball game or a baseball game, all those things. And, um, Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, Tana raises her hand. Well, here, here's what I want to say. And I say this often and forgive me for like just getting gushy on, you know, podcast to air, but I will with a little emotion. Like I say this all the time. I'm like, I have fallen in love with you 100 times over as I have seen you do this with our kids, Hmm. like in real time, like setting aside your natural desires or what you would want to do to not just tolerate Mo, but to like embrace, celebrate, put your money behind, get in the car and go and like do it fully there. And that's what we're talking about here. It's, it's figuring out like, you know, how to really do this. Like, how do you really set aside the thing that is your natural wiring to show up for your kids. And, and here's the thing I want to say. We think we're doing it for them, but we're really doing it for us. Mm-hmm. Like this, this right here is such an invitation to like full living. Yeah. Like there's yeah. so many gifts hidden in these little places. There's so much like people stuff to learn and personal observation opportunities and places to explore in our own heart as we go where our children invite us to go, right? So JD, as you were learning about dance and Mo, as you were learning about hobbies that are so far outside your wheelhouse. And I mean, yesterday within, I was up in um, my office doing some work and walked down the stairs and literally within five minutes, I had one child come and talk to me about anime and ask me some question. I could not understand any words coming out of their mouth. I do not know these words. I do not know these words. And then I was like, okay, okay, hold on. Let me figure that out. Let me Google that. I don't know if you can watch that. I don't know what that is. Give me a hot minute. You know, I turn the corner and have another child show me something they've gotten in the mail. That's one of their recent collections. And I need to take a deep breath and be so present there and like celebrate you know, their love of law enforcement and what's happening there. And, and and then I'm turning the corner and walking into another room. And it's one of our kids who's a storyteller that has literally scripted a comic strip that's like 10 pages long and wants to walk me through the beginning to the end of the story. And I'm like, okay, take a deep breath. I'm going to, I love this comic book. Tell me more about this picture, you know, take it and then move to another kiddo who literally is bouncing off the walls because they need to go use their body because they're kinesthetic. Like yeah. in the span of 10 minutes, I hit four different play personalities <laughs> and in like, just cause I happened to walk down the stairs. Like that's the reality of it in a family. Yeah. And it's so healthy and good for me. And it's one of the biggest gifts is being able to identify this is the vehicle to connection for this kid. Yeah. And I can individualize that because I value this individual relationship. And Mo, that is what you're talking about. And that is what I have seen you do from the sidelines. And you are, in my mind, the very master of this. Like, Agreed. I, I, I wish that you could mentor. And I, This is hard work, y'all. Like, I, I wish that there was opportunities for 
other men to like get to see under the cover of the sacrifices that you have made to actually show up for your kids the way they need to far outside your wheelhouse. So I just say, I honor you for that. And, um, and I deeply appreciate it um, as, you know, your partner in this family that we are building. Um, I know you're not going to love me saying all that. It's just, (laughs) well, I will, I will say, and we did this episode, obviously our next episode is going to be on play. Um, and so, but I I would just encourage, um, listeners to look at the show notes on the play personalities and it, you know, that it is, it is something that helped me begin to, um, I mean, ironically, we were asked to speak years ago and the topic they gave us was play. And I was like, what do you talk about with play? (laughs) And, and so beginning to, again, Dr. Brown and, um, just understanding that and, and really just beginning to understand and, uh, yeah, cherish your kiddos in that. Yeah. Agreed. Well, okay. Let's talk about celebrating feelings real quick before we go. Can we do that? Diddy? Yeah, Cause I, yeah. I do think that that goes hand in hand, even with some of what we were just sharing. Right. Um, and so when we think about this idea of celebrating feelings as a family, um, this was another major, I mean, Mo, would you say this was like a couple of year process for us? Um, we started doing some pretty significant personal work on emotions and feelings, you and I separately. And then we sort of started thinking about it within the context of our marriage. Um, and, you know, I don't want to speak for you. You can share some of what that was like for you, but we, I mean, our initial thing was like, we just bought some feelings charts and threw them up in the kitchen and started the work of like identifying our own feelings and realizing that it we were coming from the context having been told that feelings were bad and that they weren't to be listened to and that they needed to be like set aside and we needed to do things that were all from our brain's perspective and our heart like feelings weren't to be trusted and i think that put you and i in um, a disadvantage coming into early parenting because we had somehow gotten to this thing of feeling like feelings were something to extinguish so that we could move on instead of, instead of sort of embracing us as feelings are part of how we are wired to experience the world and coming from a faith tradition, sort of seeing that feelings are some of how we're wired to experience the divine, like that yeah. feelings are a part of our spiritual journey. They're not something that are separated and should be extracted out of it. That was a major reset for you and I. And I will say it's because our our, our kids laid an invitation before us to do that work. It was like kind of do or die, right? We were drowning and there were some big feelings and you and I were kind of paralyzed in the moment. We didn't know how to move into that moment, right? Yes. And and I think for me, I mean, what I found was, I mean, let's just talk, you know, attachment styles. Mine was d- dismissive. And so I dismissed feelings and I didn't know how to access my own feelings. And like, um, I mean, I've, I've, you know, the story that I have shared t- teaching about feelings was Tana was gone one weekend and, you know, a kiddo pointed at the feelings chart and told me how they were feeling. And I, like, I literally did not know what to do. I mean, I was savvy enough to ask a follow-up question, but I, I, I mean, if I'm honest, I was, I was panicked. I was panicked. And later that night, tucking the kids in bed, this, this is how off I was. I thought I was having a sweet moment with a child tucking them in bed. And that said child got up out of bed and walked down the hallway and got in the fetal position. And when I followed and said, what's going on? That child looked at me and said, I have big feelings and you don't know what to do with them. I mean, that's how off I was. Mm. I thought we're having a sweet, sweet <laughs> moment with dad, you know, this. And, 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 and so when Tana got back the next night, I said, man, this was crazy. Like, 
all the, you know, the kids are talking about feelings and man, our kids have lost it. I'm talking and, junk about me. <laughs> yeah. Like, Oh my word. The kids like you, we need to have a talk with them. And, uh, I mean, I'll never forget. We had been married about 15 years at that point. And Tana said, she rattled off about three or four of her close friends. And she said, I love you. Um, you are an unbelievable husband. Um, but I need you to know that those are my heart friends because emotionally there are places you just can't go. Like you, you, you are there. You, you can't do anything emotionally. And I didn't say any, hey, love, I don't think I said anything. I probably was walking very quickly. You may have interpreted it as there's, you know, but okay. you, it, you were that's so how I interpreted I'm sure, it. That's how it I'm sure felt it was, to Mo. Okay. What? Totally. It was an intention versus impact. If you so thought I let said me say that, this. I let me say this. Like my thought was, what? Like we are totally. married. We are one. We are, oh. you should be able to pour your hearts and feelings out to me. And you don't need those other people. And so like it really began this process for me of yeah. of discovering how to feel. And and I've had to do a lot of work and mm-hmm. and to be able to be present and attuned um to understand my own feelings and I don't want to sit here and act like hey I did some work. I met with a counselor a few times and I've got it. I mean, I am, you know, I, I am 20 years into this parenting journey, uh, almost 25 years into marriage. Uh, Mm -hmm. I turned 50 and every day I am still trying to figure out how to understand my feelings because I did not grow up um with being able to to navigate and understand feelings and i'm i'm still in process there and so tana you said it like our kids have given us an invitation right like they have invited me on this journey of understanding feelings um and so part of that process for tana and i i mean i i say this a lot and i i look at i mean we have kids from 21 down to 9 and one of my kid at one of my nine year olds said something the other day about how they were feeling. And I, I just, we were driving somewhere and I thought, oh my word, like they are so more attuned to how they are. Like I'm so grateful really for the work that Tana has done through the years. Like yeah. our kiddos, when they verbalize and they share how they're feeling and all those things, like the heart, like it can be hard, it can be, you know, joy, all those things, like it, it, they, their ability to articulate and understand how they're feeling is really, is really sweet. And, and that has been, that does not happen by accident. That has been a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I want to say thank you for that sweet encouragement. I, I do want to be careful to make it thing like, like seem like that was natural for me. I lean towards dismissive too. So I I do want to just make sure I'm saying that it's easier for me to help my kids figure out their feelings than it is for me to figure out my own. Yeah. Like I am an Enneagram 8. I'm super private. I'm not vulnerable. I don't like to share my feelings. Like, so I don't, I wouldn't, I think if we were to interview our older kids and they were like, you know, feeling the freedom to be really honest, I don't think they would look at me and and characterize me as some really empathetic, kind, sweet mm. mom. I think that it's probably such a high value in our family because you and I have both had to do so much work here because it's so counterintuitive to how we're both wired. Um, anyway, that's just my thought there. I, I don't feel like this is a place I'm killing it, probably with them, but like not necessarily with me. I can, I can fake it. You know, this is like sometimes a fake it till you make it kind of thing. So anyway, JD, did you have some reflected some thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, I'm still in process with this too. I think, you know, again, the, we had similar upbringings, but just the idea of, uh, and nobody's going to feel sorry for you with your excuses. And so 
if you're upset about something, like that's a you problem and you got to figure out how to deal with that and go. And I, that that can sound harsh the way I just retold it, but it was just sort of, it, it was the only reality that, that we knew. And, um, and from my parents, folks around me who were kind of giving that guidance, that was what they had been given and they were doing fine, you know, seemingly like they, everything was fine for them. And so I think the, uh, the thing that we are trying to, trying to learn and trying to develop within our uh, kids is that uh, nobody's feelings are, are invalid um, because of circumstances or surroundings, whatever. Nobody's feelings are invalid just because somebody else is going through something harder than you are or easier than you are. Um, you can't discount your own feelings because there's people going through tougher stuff and you're not going to discount other people's feelings because uh, what they're going through is easier than what you've gone through or whatever. So, um, it, you know, this idea of just it's a trudge, like it is a slow walk, a slow hike. Um, and we're not near the end of that road yet. And so I think it's just a reminder that like the, the win, the victory for us, uh, in that is to keep going, you know? Yeah. And, that, and, and I'll, and, and I'll share this story real briefly. I, we had a kid that got, when I started doing the work, we had a kid that got bullied and mm-hmm. I came home and, and Tana kind of told me about it. And previous to doing some of this work, like that night when I was tucking him in bed, I would have responded to him like, hey, man, I heard what happened. Hey, just know tomorrow's a new day and, you know, you got this. That, that would have been me. Instead, I looked at him and I said, you know what? Mom told me. I heard, I heard about what happened. And, man, that that made me really sad and that made me really mad mm-hmm. and and i'm i'm sorry and i'm i'm here with you and i went to the den i tucked him in bed i went to the den and like literally an hour later he walked in and this was well past his bedtime and he came in he said hey dad did that really make you mad that that boy did that to me today? And I said, it did. Mm-hmm. He said, did that really make you sad? I said, man, I'm, I'm so sad about that. And he got a little smirk on his face and he came and gave me a hug and he went back to bed. And, and here's what I learned from that. He, one, he sat there and thought about it for an hour when we talk about this principle of being connected, right? Connection. I did not, the old, the old Mo, hey, get over it. Tomorrow's a new day. I would have left him in his bed alone. Instead, he saw dad as with me. Yeah. And that is why we want you to do the work of emotions. We want you to understand your kids' emotions because we want you with them in it. And yeah. it, like when we talk about connecting to kids, it's not just physically beside them. It is emotionally with them. That's really good, Mel. <laughs> Tana, any closing thoughts before we get out of here? Yes, as I wipe my tears because, <laughs> I, oh, I remember that night. Like just, just as a mom, man, I remember that night. Like it was just yesterday. It was so many years ago, but. It was like a pivotal moment in y'all's relationship. Like that night, some healing happened, Mo, that like mm-hmm. went years forward. And so, um, you know, that that is a moment in our family that I'll just always look back on and really treasure, you know, just how you just intentionally showed up in a different way and the kid felt it. And then yeah. started taking some risks with you, emotional risks that they hadn't taken before. Um and it, it's really beautiful. So I just want to honor that moment. And thanks for sharing that. Um, every time you share it, I'm like, oh, I need to stop my tears. Okay. I do think it's important to sort of say one thing in closing, if I can gather myself. Um, oftentimes when we talk about this, some, and it's a very understandable question, the next thought or, and, and I feel it internally, parents are sort of fighting against, but this isn't the real world. Um, you know, the real world doesn't celebrate my kids. The real world, the real world is tough and employers are tough and teachers are tough and, 
There's, they're going to have engagements where they aren't safe and they, their lives are in danger. And there's just, there's, there's so much we hold as parents. And so this conversation, understandably so, we're bringing into it as parents some future thinking. And that's the right thing. We're supposed to think about how to equip our kids for the future. So I want to honor those questions, they're natural and right questions that we should be having as a parent. But I want to just speak to them really quickly. Like if you've been listening and you're thinking to yourself, this doesn't fly in the real world. Here's, here's what I want to say. The real world is tough. Yeah. And our kids do need to have grit and resilience and the ability to navigate tough situations. And that takes skill. The ability to navigate the real world takes understanding yourself, takes knowing how to regulate so that you don't put yourself in danger, takes knowing how to communicate your needs and negotiate your needs to an employer so that you aren't taken advantage of, knows how to set limits socially to keep yourself physically and sexually safe. It takes understanding how to advocate for your needs in social interactions It takes needing to have the the ability to understand your stress level so that you can know when you need to pull down and do some self-care and self-compassion. Like those are skills. Yeah. And and we talking about these things, celebrating our children's, like celebrating them for who they are, their differences, their strengths, their play, and their emotions is actually the work that equips them with the ability to do that as adults. So what we're doing right now, I think we feel like sometimes we can fall into the trap of thinking tough love creates tough kids who can handle tough situations. Right. And I really think science and neuroscience and like a long history of people who are a lot smarter than me are telling us something different than that actually. Like the ability to have a secure attachment to know yourself, to be able to take that co-regulation you learned at home and self-regulate later in life, the ability to use your voice with respect. Those are the skills that are built when they have a home that is helping them discover themselves and figure out how to advocate for their needs. Then they have the ability to calm later. They have the ability to advocate later. They have the ability to have boundaries later. So this might feel a little bit like it leans towards coddling. It is, it does fall underneath our nurture conversation. So we talk a lot about nurture and structure. This is leaning more towards that nurture piece, but we want our kids to leave our homes knowing who they are. Like that that's not in question, that they feel seen, they feel safe, they have been soothed, therefore they know how to soothe self so that they can launch into the world secure. So that's, I I hear it and I honor that intrinsic question that we might be feeling. And for many, many of us, including Mo and I, you may have to deconstruct and unlearn some things in order to really sort of pick up some of this idea and run with it. Yeah, just my last like tie in with that is that if you would have watched LeBron James play basketball in third grade, He'd have been good for a third grader. He'd get waxed by NBA players. <laughs> that didn't mean that he should give up or that that wasn't part of the process or he was being coddled by playing against kids. You know, like there is a growth process and we, we seem to understand this in a whole lot of different contexts, but we somehow want to pull the rug out from our kids emotionally with that. Um, and so if we don't give kids algebra in first grade and if we don't give kids, you know, calculus and sec, like then why are we expecting them to be completely emotionally independent and self-sufficient as seven, eight, nine, ten 10 year olds? So it's, it's just a, it's a regular part of life and growth and development that we've got to uh, do with them and for them. And, um, and that's what we're here for. So uh, guys, thank y'all for that. I like, there's a lot of sharing there that was, um, uh, you know, vulnerable and, and uh, just really beautiful. And so thank you for that. Well, I told you, it, it was a great, uh, great conversation with Mo and Tana. And uh, I, I will say, 
immediately impactful for me. Um, you know, I went home after recording this and, and there were several moments um, that uh, I had a heightened awareness of what to celebrate with our kids um, after talking, talking through this uh, today. So I would encourage you to kind of listen through uh, again, if you need to take some notes and uh, keep some of the things in mind that were talked about today and incorporate them with your kids and uh, help them to know uh, how celebrated, how loved they are uh, and, and make it a new family tradition in your house. And so uh, that's all for us today at the ETC podcast. Uh, for Kyle Wright, who edits and engineers all of our audio, for Tad Jewett, the creator of the ETC music, and for everybody on the ETC team, uh, I am J.D. Wilson, and we will see you next week on the Empowered to Connect podcast.